Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. This is one of those things when we talk about strive, that every single one of us, it doesn't matter who we are, we'll have to deal with strife at one time or another. And it is a poison. Poison is a strife in relationships, and it will destroy and it will tear up. You know it will, it will tear up a home, a marriage between a husband and a wife, children with parents. It will tear up churches, and you know, we, many of us, we've been in churches and we've seen what strife, the ravages that strife can do. On your work in your workplace, strife can be in the workplace, and it is like a poison. And I'm going to tell you something: strife is like an infection. An infection is contagious many times, and strife is that way. And it will infect a group, a one or two, and it will spread like in the workplace, or in a church, or in your home, and then. Before you know it, you know, someone else keys in on it and they pick up your offense and they become full of strife and they take what you had and they carry it. They're just carriers of strife sometimes. And you know, it's good to have friends and it's good to stick up with four friends, but when it comes to this strife issue, you better pray for them and you better speak the right thing to them and not get caught up in that strife trap because that's exactly what it is. It's a trap. Everybody say strife is a trap. And so we don't want to be in that trap of strife. But now if, if someone were going to poison you and you knew it, or poison your family, and you knew it, do you think that you would just stand and allow them to, to bring in the poison? Of course not. We wouldn't. Well, we don't need to be ignorant about this poison of strife because the devil is the one who brings in the strife and he will try to poison. So what do we have to do? We have to fight back. You know, the Bible says that Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Doesn't it say that? I want you to think about a lion. A lion is not, you know, like little tabby that you've got at home or something, you know? I had my little daisy, a little Persian cat for 15 years and of course, she's not with us anymore, but I loved that cat. But you know, you don't need to look at the devil, Satan, as that little cat. You need to see him for the lion that roars and has fangs and claws. And when he gets his teeth in you and he puts his claws in you, it is not a little scrape. It is to destroy you and tear your life up. And that's what Satan seeks to do through strife, to tear up our lives. And we are not going to allow him to do it, are we? We know better. You know, sometimes you know better, but your emotions get the best of you. But we need to exercise ourselves in the Word of God and in the Spirit 
so that we don't walk in the flesh. Isn't that right? So we have to fight. Now, how do you fight? I'm going to say something very profound to you, and you may not think it is when I say it, but I want you to think about it. You stand against it, and you fight it with a promise. Did you hear what I said? You know what a promise is? That book is full of promises. You get a promise, and you fight with the promise. You say, well, I'm going to fight. The the Bible says that you have the sword of the Spirit, and a sword will cut, and a sword will sever and divide and kill. And what we want to do is kill strife and kill the poison and kill the devil's effort in our life. So we must fight with a promise. Uh, You know, whether, you know, like strife, You know, we're to follow after peace and not strife. Isn't that, you know, whatsoever things honest, just, pure, good report. Think upon these things. Because we think on wrong things many times is why we get in trouble. Because the thinking inflames us. It will, we we get a thought and we just begin to meditate over and over and over. And before you know it, we are so mad. If we could get to whoever, and sometimes we, it's not to that person, we'll grab whoever is near us and take it out on them. But you see, the mind is where the devil will use to, uh, to inflame you and speak things to you. But you've got to answer back with a promise. You got to answer back with a promise. And God's promise to us is that we can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the strife is of the flesh, folks. Strife is something the Bible says that you can control. It doesn't have to control you, but you can control it. So you got to fight back with what? Some of you heard me. About 50% of you. You fight back with a promise. Amen? And you war with the promises of God. It doesn't matter what the enemy's trying to do in your life. Now I begin to think about this. God is omniscient. And that means He's all-knowing, Right? And then God is also omnipotent, or He's all-powerful. And, and I begin to think about that. And if you think about that, the more you know, the more powerful you become. You become like God. Now, I'm not saying we are God. You understand that. But He's all-knowing, and because He knows, He's got the power. And the more you know, the more power you can walk in in the Holy Ghost. You have to know it and you have to do it too. We have to do it. Action is everything in the life of a believer. See, we know what the devil's up to when he brings strife, we know what he's doing. And if we won't respond to that, but we will respond in love or respond in the right way, then the power is there. The power to overcome. The power to become 
the strong sons and daughters of the living God, that we don't have to live by the dictates of the flesh and drawn into things. See, there's, in, there's things that are sent into our life, again, like a trap, and it's to entice us. You remember that little mouse I told you about in my pantry that day when I went in there and looked in there and it was staring back at me, you know? The devil will st stare at you. What are you going to do? Well, I'll show you. I didn't show that little mouse. He did. <laughs> He's my protector. <laughs> okay. Our subject, again, is living strife-free. And strife means this. It means discord, conflict, contention, disunity, fighting, arguments, and related words are argue, fight, bitter, murmur, critical, and judgmental. Think about that. You want me to say those again? Discord, conflict, contention, disunity, fighting, arguments, argue, fight, bitter, murmur, critical, and judgmental. When you get into these areas, it's when strife is coming in. I want you to think about this. You get in an argument, and you feel like you always have to have the upper hand. How many of you know that's, that's of the flesh? That's the way we are. That's how humans who are not led and dictated to by the Holy Spirit, that's the way we live. We got to get the upper hand. Yeah, I'm going to be right. But you see, when you do it God's way, that is not the way it is. You know, instead of causing a, a, a fight, we, we need to pour water on the fire. We need to put water on the fire. And the Bible tells us many ways. A soft answer turns away wrath. What is wrath? Wrath is a blazing up anger. It's just, I mean, it gets out of control. You don't know where it came from. And all of a sudden, somebody says something, and there's just this blaze of anger. And it can die down just as quickly. Have you ever been around people like that? Maybe you have people in your family like that. Maybe you work with people. Maybe there are people in this room and you're like that. I'm going to tell you, and hopefully we'll get on into that tonight, but, but there's reason for, for that anger to be in you. There, there's a reason that anger is there. You see a person, an angry person, and it doesn't matter what is said, what is done, they're always going to be angry. They're going to find something to be angry about. Well, deep down, there are things that are pushed down in their life. A trigger is hit, and here it comes. There's nothing worse than, than having to relate to people that, that are like that. You know, that argue and, 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 and you know, uh, the wrath and get angry. That, that's a difficult, that's difficult to live with. And you know, if you're like that, I don't think you want to be that way. I think God in you, if you're a believer, is convicting you. But you see, He doesn't condemn you. He wants to give you a promise to pull you out so that you can be an overcomer 
and you can have abundant life in that area instead of suffering that way. Uh, uh, let's look at this word murmur. Now, to murmur, you know, uh, you, if you remember when you're a little kid, you know, maybe I'm telling about myself, but, you know, with my parents, and they'd say, do this or do that, and I didn't want to do it, but I knew I had to, or the switch was a coming, you know? My daddy knew how to use it, and I'm so thankful he did. He got that out of me. I needed it out of me. But, you know, I just... They wouldn't see me, because if they did, it would have been too bad. <laughs> just murmur a little bit. I don't want to do that. I don't know why you think I need to do that. See, I can tell you that murmuring can start in a church. I don't know why they need to do that. I don't know why they do this. Why don't they do that? You know, you start that murmuring thing, and that is strife, folks. It is strife, and we can try to hide behind it and act like, you know, just sugarcoat it. No, that's not too bad. Criticalness, being too critical. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I had to deal with myself about being critical. Uh, you know, I, I'm one of these persons, and, and when it comes to, you know, living right, I try to live right. I'm not perfect, and no one is, so I'm not, I'm not you know, saying that. But, you know, the way our world is and the sin that is so rampant and, you know, just so blatant, and, you know, even people who call themselves believers will, will live ungodly, and, and it grieves me. And, and it should grieve us. I don't think that we get comfortable with that or we say that that's okay. But if you're not careful, you can get a critical spirit in looking at people instead of trying to extend mercy and grace and love because that's what God wants to do. But now let me tell you, He doesn't play around with that sin. I'm not trying to indicate that. But I'm just telling you, we can get so critical that we can't see beyond you know, what is right there in front of us, maybe that sin or whatever, but we need to see God's grace and His mercy. You know, and, and, and I've had to, you know, been in situations and people, whatever was going on in their lives, they'd be telling me about it. And I just tell you this, this is the love of God to speak the truth. And I've spoken the truth and they've not liked it too much, but I'll speak what it is, not to condemn them, not to say you're the scum of the earth, but to say there's a better way and that is sin. And that's what the Bible says. And, and we have to do it God's way if we're going to have a life that is abundant. We live in a time where people, Christian people, just Christian people, I, I just can't even believe what they are willing to accept as okay in their life. And then come to church and act like it's okay. Well, I'm not going to say it's okay. Don't talk to me about it if you don't want to hear the truth. Don't talk to me. But you see, there's a difference in speaking the truth in love and being critical and judgmental. L let's just take a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. But let's just turn over here and lo let's look at Matthew, uh, I think it's chapter 7. Let's look over here. Now listen to this. Chapter 7 of Matthew, verse number 1. Judge not that you be not judged. This is talking about being critical and condemning, hard and hasty. 
you know, in your judgment upon someone. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet or what you give out, it shall be measured to you again. And you know, when I started seeing that, now see, judging sin is different. Now, you understand what I'm saying? Like in, in the body life of a church, a pastor, if he speaks and talks and you have friends and you speak and talk and somebody, you don't, you don't undergird them in it. But as far as just standing off, judging everything that a person says, everything that they do, just being critical, nobody can please you. You see, he said, if you put that out, that's what's going to be coming in. Now, ladies, I'm just going to tell you, we can be the worst about being critical. Well. I'll get to the men in a minute. But you know what I'm saying? Um, you, you can sit down. I mean, you know, you can be sitting in the mall waiting for someone, you know, and everybody that walks by. Huh. Can you believe that? Look at that. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's kind of the flesh, you understand? But don't be dictated to by your flesh. Get that under control and know that that is a facet of strife. And it will lead you into other things. And that's not the kind of life that God wants us to have. He wants us to be known. They will know you by your love. Not by your judgment, not by your critical spirit, but by love. Amen? Strife is a force. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a force. You know, last week in our area, we had tornadoes. Those tornadoes have so much force. And, you know, depending on how strong they are, they can pick up a house. They can pick up a car and it gets in there and, you know, just spins it around. And it will utterly destroy and leave a mess, won't it? Well, that's what strife will do. It will stir things up. It'll pick it up and it'll hurl it and make a mess everywhere. That's what strife will do. But in the same regard, unity, just think about unity. If you, you look at, let's just turn over there, Psalms 133. Let's just look over there real quick. I'm just skipping all over the place, but I think it's okay, don't you? Thank you for that, amen. Okay, so... Strife is a force, but so is unity. So if we, you know, let's just take a church. So if we don't get in strife, but, and we don't bicker and condemn and murmur and complain and judge, but on the other hand, we use this force of unity to come together. Listen to this. Behold, Psalms 133, verse number one. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, to come into agreement, to be one. Why do you think that the devil wants to stir, stir God's house up? Because if unity comes and agreement comes, the power is released to accomplish. And so he wants to bring strife to stop it, to quell it. So God says, how good. How wonderful 
it is it for us uh, to dwell together in unity? And he gives us a picture. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran, ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments. In other words, and I think the Amplified Bible says, consecrating the whole body. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life evermore. See, God commands a blessing when we stay out of strife or we get out of strife and we get into unity. There's power, there's a force in unity. And the Bible says that it is poured out upon the head and it runs down upon the whole body. And so see, we're all blessed through this force of unity when we stay out of strifeful situations. And every one of us are tempted to enter into strife. Each and every one of us. It's not that we're tempted, it's that we yield and give in to it. And you know, maybe today, I don't know, maybe today there was strife in your life today, strife around you, maybe with someone that you had to deal with, and maybe you didn't fare so well, maybe you didn't come out of it the way that you wanted to, but let me tell you, there'll be another time. All of us, we know that there'll be another time. So you began to take the promises to fight your battle, amen? And that's what we're doing tonight. I am arming you with the promises as it relates to living a strife-free life. Strife is a killer. It will kill your finances. It will, I, that's one of the quickest ways I know. And I tell you what, when we, um, you know, uh, when we experience a tightening of the pocketbook, that's the first place we look is it, you know, is there strife? Is what is it out of order? Whether it be in the church or in our personal life. And I'm going to tell you folks, if you're married and you live in strife continuously, that's just the mode of operation in your home. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to look very far to understand what may be happening to you financially. Not only will strife lock up your finances, it will, it will bring havoc into your family between a husband and a wife. You know, and we're going to, we're going to, we're just going to do the, the standoff thing, you know. Well, he has to apologize first. Well, she has to apologize first. Well, you know what? Be quick. Can you, can you hear me right now? We need to live a life where we are quick to say these words. Now, this is going to be very difficult for you to hear. And it's, it could be very difficult for many people to say, I'm sorry. Everybody say that. I'm sorry. Yeah, see, Rachel's choking up over here. I knew it would bring that response I apologize. I apologize. See, those are words in many homes. We can be brought up in an atmosphere where, I mean, you don't say that if they're going to cut your head off. 
You don't say, I apologize or I'm sorry. You just don't do it. Well, you know what? You just take your character and nature from your heavenly Father. It's a new nature. It's a love nature. And you can say that. Well, you say, well, but they're in the wrong. I know it. Isn't it a shame? <laughs> we, all think that, we all think that we're right and the other one's wrong. And there could be a little bit of that in both. So just be the first one to say, I'm sorry, and I apologize. How many churches would have, you know, been able to keep their mission and their purpose and, and, and the unity that God wants if people would just not be so prideful? And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Can you imagine those words coming out of the mouth? I'm sorry. Forgive me. And we may even have to say it like that at the beginning, but get in the habit of doing it and it won't be so bad. Amen? So we know that finances can be destroyed through strife. The anointing of God upon your life can be destroyed. Every one of us have an anointing. Some have different kinds of anointing. Some have uh, uh, an anointing, uh, you know, to, to do public ministry. Some have an anointing to be in business. Some have an anointing, uh, you know, for different things. You have an anointing, an unction from the Holy One, that's what the Bible says. So every one of us have an anointing. And we violate that anointing when we get in strife and we stop that anointing from working in our life. I don't know about you, but the anointing is precious and I want to protect the anointing. And so you have to stay out of strife. And if you get into it, you've got to deal with it properly and get out of it. Amen? So, your finances, your anointing, your blessings that come from God, if you're, you know, if it just seems like the heavens are shut up, look in this area. Look for the poisons that we've been talking about. You know, offense and envy and then tonight, strife. And there can be others, but those are the ones that we've been talking about. Our joy, our peace. We have unanswered prayers, and we don't know why we can't get prayers answered. And it could be strife. See, it's not the only reason, but it is an area that's very valid that we should look into. Amen? I've seen strife, and it's ended marriages, and it's just such a sad thing. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And we let and allow man, uh, we bring in strife and it separates and it divides. And God wants our homes to come together and be in unity and be in harmony because the force of unity will release God's blessing and will release God's power into our homes and into our situation, into our workplace, into our churches. Amen? And so we know that all these things can happen. And, and not only that, I was thinking about this today, how that strife can bring stress into your life and it will destroy your health. You know, you've heard about people who get so upset 
and they're, they're in such rage and strife and anger. And I mean, you know, they'll, they'll just be in such a state that they just have a heart attack. Or, you know, they bring upon elements in their body because of strife. Just bickering and fighting and arguing. And God has a better way. And He doesn't want us living that way, does He? Now let's look at the origin of strife. We know that Satan himself stirred up strife in heaven, didn't he? And it was pride, it was the, th the thing of pride that came in. He wanted to exalt himself above God. Think about it. You know, what gets into people? It's Satan, that's what gets into them. Where they want to be greater and bigger than anyone around. If, if there's leadership or, you know, at work, you know, whatever the case may be, we want to prove that we're greater, we're better than them. Well, see, you have to understand when that starts, and it will work in all of us, and it starts in our mind, and we accept it, and we begin to meditate. See, the Bible says meditate on the Word. Mutter the Word. And then you'll have a successful life. You start muttering the thoughts that the enemy puts in you about that person that you're working for, or your leadership in whatever capacity, and you start meditating on that, it'll drop down into your spirit and you'll be talking about it and then you'll act it out. That's what happens. Amen? But Satan stirred up strife in heaven and he separated a third of the angels from God. And see, if Satan can get into the body of Christ, what do you think he wants to do? He wants to separate. He wants to divide. Because when we stand together, there's unity and harmony and we can accomplish so much. But that strife that came in, you were offended because someone said something and, and you didn't like it and they didn't treat you the way that you thought they ought to treat you or they ignored you or they insulted you or whatever. You must think, is it worth losing your peace, your joy, your strength? The power of the Holy Spirit, is it worth being enticed into that and pulled into it? Sometimes you have to overlook a fault. Isn't that what love is? You have to overlook it. I heard a story. I won't tell the whole story because it's probably too long, but there was this elderly gentleman and he was up in his 80s and he got a call one day and he picked up the phone when it rang, and he said, you've got the wrong number, and threw it down. And the person thought that dialed the number. How do they know I have the wrong number? They don't even know who it is. Wasn't caller ID available at that point, okay? And so, you know, the guy uh, is a policeman, and that just sparked his interest a little bit. And he said, well, I'm going to call this guy back, because he doesn't have a clue who I am, you know? And so he calls the elderly man back again and he picks up the phone and he said, I told you, you've got the wrong number and just about that hateful and threw it down. And he said, I'm going to call him back again. <laughs> Long story short, 
They developed a telephone relationship, this elderly man and this policeman. The policeman found out that the elderly man was alone. All of his family had passed away. All of his friends were older and had passed away. And he didn't have anyone. And this policeman had been brought up as an orphan in foster homes, you know, and that kind of thing. So he just was drawn to that elderly man. And they ended up uh, striking up, a, a, you know, a relationship. And this um, elderly man uh, was listening to the policeman one day, you know, he was sharing what was going on in his work. There was trouble, you know, and he, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to go to this person and I'm going to get this straight. And that elderly man just said, well, why don't you just wait a while? And I thought, what wisdom is that? Because, you know, if he, if he didn't wait, then you could go into a very <laughs> inflamed situation. But if he did wait, it's still going to be there, even if nothing happened to smooth it out. But I thought, what wisdom from this gruff old man, he said, why don't you just wait a little while? And you know, sometimes when we're facing situations and we, you know, are not happy with someone and they've done something and, you know, bless God, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. I'm going to tell them, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Before you do that and before it's just an all-out fight and strife and argument, why don't you just wait a while? Adolf was that elderly man's name. Adolf had some wisdom. And that's really true. Sometimes, you know, you have to talk about issues. Don't, I don't want you to hear me saying, I don't think that you just don't deal with issues when you have them. Some, sometimes you have to. And that's okay and very needful in some situations. But you know, when a, a, a relationship or a situation is very volatile, maybe just wait a little while before you do and say what you might. Because you know, if you, you just do something, and, and see, we can learn that even in our homes. You know, you can. You can be at the point where you've got this yeah, yeah, yeah going on, you know, between the two of you. Now, this never happens at our house, does it? No. But it's your house. <laughs> no, we all, yeah, yeah, back and forth at, from time to time, don't we? But, you know, when, when that starts, you know, going back and forth, how we respond a soft answer, you remember I said a minute ago, a soft answer turns away wrath or anger. And so we can speak softly. I've, I've learned that because sometimes I want to, you know, speak at the top of my lungs, you know. Don't say amen. <laughs> I've improved a lot. But, you know, I, I'll get, you know, get excited and, you, you know, you can start talking and and you know what can happen. Then it's not good. Situation, you know, can turn into something you don't want. And see, I, I've learned, and, you know, and, and I'm not perfect, and neither is anyone here. But, you know, if you can speak soft and maybe slow yourself down and maybe not raise your voice and not yell, because some people, you know, if you were raised in a home, where everybody is yelling at one another and over the top of each other, you know, and that kind of thing. See, you have to reprogram yourself. You have to update your thinking, don't you? 
And instead of, you know, being pulled into a strifeful situation, you know, softening things. Amen? All right. Now listen to this. Obadiah 1.3 in the Amplified Bible. Obadiah 1.3. The pride of your heart has deceived you. The pride of your heart... See, that's what happened to Satan. The pride of your heart has deceived you. What is deception? It made you think that you were right when you were wrong. And see, in, in, in strifeful situations, you can be in a, an argument with someone. You can be in a situation, whether it's your family, workplace, or whatever. And you can think you're right, and if you're in pride, the Bible says you are deceived. You think you're right, but you're wrong. So we have to step back and look at ourselves, and we have to make a sober estimation, if you will. Are we really right or not? You know, I've, I've said this several times through this teaching. You can, be, you can be right and be wrong. And you know what I mean by that. You can have a legitimate claim, but the way you handle it and the way you do things and the way you say things and your actions can make you wrong. Now, what are some causes of strife? I just talked to you about one, and it is pride. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-five: He that is of a proud heart stirs up strife. Now, if I'm going to bake a cake and I'm going to do it by hand and not get my mixer out, you know, here you go. You stir it up. And see, that's what we do with strife sometimes. Instead of a soft answer, we get in there and we stir it for all it's worth. And you remember that concept I told you about kitchen sinking? And we'll even throw a little bit of that in there and stir it. And what that means is... You know, we've been not liking something that someone did. You just take a person you work with. And they didn't put something up. And they spilled their coffee and they didn't clean it up. And they were supposed to make copies. And you got into the meeting and you had to go make the coffee. And, it, you know, on and on and on. You didn't say anything. You kept your cool. But kitchen sinking is you just put it in the sink. And you keep remembering it. And one day, the sink gets full, and it's overflowing, and then that's when everything happens, and we lose it. So don't be a kitchen sinker. Deal with things when they happen. I tell you what, I have found that there are so many times in situations, you know, um, it's not just in a strife situation, but it obviously is. That could be one of the situations that I find myself in. And, and you know, I have to keep going back to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I, I release it, but I have to keep going back. And I have to keep going back because the, the emotions and the thinking and the feelings, all of that keeps coming. And it keeps coming back. You understand what I'm saying? And so I have to deal with that. And what you do with it is so important. You have to, now listen to me, you have to give it to the Lord, lay it down. I, many times I'll say, Lord, I'm bringing this at the foot of the cross. 
That's where you were crucified. And I lay it down at your feet. I lay it down here. And I'm telling you, it feels like I'm in a wrestling match. And then I saw one day in the Scripture, in the book of Proverbs, I think it's chapter number 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. I lay it at the cross. I have to trust God, cast my care on Him, and believe that He is going to take care of it for me. He will show me how to respond. He will help me to do what I need to do. And that term trust, it, it, it is a rest, it means to wrestle. Wrestle down your care. Wrestle down your emotions. Wrestle down, you know, that you want to scream and yell and argue and say everything that you think. And so you have to wrestle that down. And that's why I say sometimes when I'm in prayer, and you know, I used to think, Lord, am I wrestling with you? No, I wasn't wrestling with the Lord. And I, and I had that light turn on and the dawning came. I was wrestling with those situations. And I was wrestling to get them to the Lord and cast my care upon Him. And He said, cast your care on me and I will sustain you. That word sustain means to lift the weight of that from you. And see, when I wrestle that down and finally get it down there, I think I've got it pinned down and here it's going to jump back up again and wrestle it back down. And then I cast it on the Lord and say, Lord, I can't deal with this. I can't handle this. But you can. I give you my burden. I cannot carry burdens. You are not a burden bearer. And if you try to do it, it'll break your back spiritually. You can't carry them. It'll wreck your health. It'll do all kinds of things. You can't carry it, but you cast it on Him and He lifts the weight of it and He helps you pick your life back up and go on to where you're not camping out and building a memorial at the argument or, you know, at the strifeful situation. Many times we want to. It's, you know, it's like the example I've given many times. It's about a woman or a man that have been divorced for 30 years, but they can't let it go and they're still bitter and the other person has gone on and living their life and they're living in bitterness. They built a memorial. This is what you did to me. This is the way you treated me. And it may be very bad. But I'm telling you, don't build a memorial there. Get yourself at the foot of the cross. Wrestle that thing down. Give it to God and cast your care on Him. And He'll lift the weight of that thing where you don't stay full of bitterness. You get a root of bitterness and it grows in your life. And everybody that gets around you can see you're bitter. But you maybe don't see it. But they can sure see it. Amen? All right. Um, the second cause of strife is anger. Proverbs fifteen 18, we've talked a little bit about that, but... You know, as I've been just swaying along here tonight. Uh, a wrathful man stirs up strife. This is Proverbs fifteen eighteen. 
A wrathful man stirs up strife. And again, you know, stir, get in a strifeful situation. And, you know, instead of letting it settle, let it be, you know, just calm. Get in there and, you know, stir it up, stir up the strife. Listen to this. But he that is slow to anger appeases strife. Now this word, when you're slow to anger, you remember I told you a minute ago, you know, when you and your, your spouse are having a discussion and you don't just blurt out everything you want to say, but you're slow to anger. You appease strife. This word appease strife means to soothe, to calm, to soften to quail, to lessen, and to quiet strife. Now think about that. In other words, we do have something to do when it comes to strife. We can either make it worse or make it better. You say, well, I did that once and it didn't work. Well, I can't, you know, all I can tell you is what the Bible says. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be slow to anger and let strife be appeased. Amen? Ephesians 4, 2, or 26. Ephesians 4, 26. Be angry and sin not. Another way to say that is when you're angry, sin not. Now we know that anger is an emotion, and, and, and it can be a healthy emotion, in that there's things that happen, and we do get angry over them. But you see, there's a way to express anger, and the typical way as humans that we want to have a tendency to express our anger is not the right way. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Be angry, or when you're angry, don't sin. And let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Can you put that up in the Message Bible? Could you put that up there so that we could look at it over here? Okay. In the Message. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Now that is a really good Word from the Scripture. Don't go to bed angry as a husband and wife. If, if you know, you've had a, a problem and there's been strife and word exchanged, words exchanged, don't go to bed angry. In other words, what he's saying, get it taken care of. I really believe... You know, God is telling us something here, not a spiritual truth, but this is good for your physical body. Don't let that anger be pent up in your life and allow it to, you know, it'll take away your sleep. Your body needs a sleep to replenish itself, you know, for the next day and, you know, for what you spent during that day. And so don't go to bed angry. Children and parents, parents don't, don't, don't let there be anger between you and your children and, and, and go to bed and that get, talk about it, pray about it, and get it straight. I didn't say badger each other. I didn't say, you know, keep fighting. If you can't agree on something, okay. But agree to disagree. What about that? That's better. So... I'm going to give you some facts about anger. 
Anger is not the real problem. It is a symptom. It stems from hurt, fear, or frustration. And you know that that is true. There are times that I can be so frustrated because something is just not going the way that I want. And somebody not even associated with that situation can come into my life and they can say or do something. And there's no reason for me to lose my temper. There's no reason for me to get angry, but because of, frustr- because of what they did, but because I'm already frustrated through other things that are going on in my life, I'll take it out upon whoever is around me. See, that's human nature. That's what we do. We'll take it out on someone, even though it's not the person that caused it. We could be hurt. We have hurts in our life. Things that happen that are tragedies. Things that go on that will wound you and hurt you beyond description. And because of that, you get someone that lives a life of anger. And that's their response to everything and everybody. But I I really believe that that anger is there. And it's there to build up a wall to keep people from getting in to see the hurt and understand that you have damage. See, I want to tell you something. Jesus is the healer of damaged people. People that have been abused. Children that have been abused and they grow up. See, this can, there can be an anger that's resident there because they've been so hurt. But I'm going to tell you, allow the Holy Spirit, the promises, the force of the Word of God to come into your life and bring healing and deliverance from that. See, I do not believe that you have to live your whole life based upon that tragedy that took place. Do you deny it? Do you act like it didn't happen? No, I'm not saying that. But you allow the Holy Spirit, the dove of heaven, to do a work in your life and help you deal with that anger, that source of anger that is so deep down that you need to be delivered from. Amen? The second fact about anger, expressing anger does not decrease anger. Well, if I just let it out, then I'll be free. No, that's not true. Usually what happens is it reinforces the tendency for future out bursts in your life because you get in a habit you get in a pattern this is the way we deal with it you know and I've told you and mentioned it many times you know many times if we're in a home and one of our parents or both or whatever this is the way that they express themselves with these outbursts of anger then if we're not careful, we'll repeat that. But you say, I hated that about my growing up years, and I hated that taking place in a parent's life toward you or toward anybody. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you don't deal with it right and you don't release and forgive them for that, you'll pick up the same thing that they did, possibly. You'll, you'll just do the same thing. 
You say, but I hated it. I know it. But because you won't release them, you're tied to it. You got to release people and you release things. I'm going to tell you, you know, you, you just take someone like we were talking about a minute ago, an abuser. And, you know, we hear about it so much. And the person, you know, that abused you, you know, maybe they got off and, you know, they didn't go to jail. Nobody knew it or nobody admits it or nobody will talk about it. You go ahead and forgive them and you trust this. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. They will not get by with it. They will not get by with it. You say, but it looks, it doesn't matter the way it looks. You just leave it in God's hands. You do the right thing. You get untied to that person. You get untied to them through forgiveness and releasing them into God's hands. And you let God deal with them. And they'll get what's coming. So we have to trust Him. Amen? Okay, so the third thing about anger I want you to know is uh, we need to know how anger is learned. So we can learn new ways of expressing and controlling anger. Amen? Anger, again, is a learned behavior. The way we deal with it, whether it's positive or negative, it's learned. And so we have to learn new ways in how we're going to express and control anger in our life. The fourth thing is other people are not responsible for making you angry. But they said this and they did that. Yes, that was bait that the devil wanted to make sure that was brought across your path. And he uses people that cooperate with him. That's for sure. But, but see, we need to understand that our warfare, now listen to me, is not with flesh and blood. Now they may be a carrier of what the enemy wanted to send our way, but they are not the enemy. The enemy is the devil that works behind the scenes. Amen? So other people are not responsible for making us angry. We have to take responsibility. I love, see, you, you remember when I told you a few minutes ago when, you know, you're in an argument and, and strife is, you know, going on and you can speak up and you can say, and you might not be the one who started it and you might not be in the wrong, but if you will take the responsibility and just say, I'm sorry, I apologize. Smooth it out. Amen? And then if you have to talk a little bit more about issues, you can do it in a calm way and get things taken care of. We, had, we know in the Bible, Peter just had a really quick temper, didn't he? He got in trouble so many times because of that quick temper. And a quick temper will get us in trouble too. Proverbs 18.6 Proverbs 18.6 in the Amplified, it says this, A self-confident fool's lips bring contention and his mouth invites a beating. If somebody else doesn't beat you, <laughs> the devil's going to. That's for sure. Amen.
So what we need to do with our words, we need to choose them carefully when we're in a volatile situation. We need to think before we speak. Well, I just say whatever comes to my mind. Well, that's a big problem. Because what comes to our mind at a time where we're arguing and we're angry and we're in strife is, I'm going to kill you! With a smile. In Christian love. You know that's not true. Watch your body language. I, you know, I've really, I've really, that's something that I've learned. I, I didn't understand about, about body language. And you remember, I don't know if it was in here in the leadership thing that I've done, but it talks about in communication, words are, are a very small part of communication. More than words is body language. I really did, that was something I didn't know. And I had to learn. And, and, you know, body language can cause you problems. And so we need to learn when we're maybe doing things that communicate something that's going to inflame people. Don't press someone verbally. In other words, you know, when, when something is going on, don't just keep pressing in and pressing in and saying more and keep on and on, but... Like we said, speak softly, slowly, and back it up. Don't press the situation. Don't press the people. Because what's going to happen is not going to be good. Amen? Now, I'm going to end here. I'm certainly not finished. There's so much more I could say about this. But Deuteronomy 30, 19, and we're going to look there real quickly. Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. There's so much that could be said right here, but it's up to each one of us to choose life and choose a life of freedom from strife. We choose life, and it says that both you and your seed may live. Now, our lives affect many more than just ourselves. Your decisions, how you handle yourself, how if you walk in the Spirit or you walk in the flesh, it doesn't just affect you, but it affects other people. It affects people in your home. It affects people at your workplace. It affects people in the church, your friends, whatever the case may be. It's going to affect other people. And so when you live a life free of strife, you are choosing life, God's life, blessing, choosing blessing. You make a decision to do that. And I hope the things that I've talked to you about tonight, I hope the next time that opportunity arises in your life, no matter what, um, you know, the uh, situation may be or 
you know, where it may be, that you remember what we've talked about tonight and choose the promises, choose the force of unity, choose the high road. The high road is God's road. Get above, get above all of that. Get above it. Now, we're all human and we all have to deal with human emotions. But again, you know, Paul told a group, he said, you're carnal and you walk as mere unchanged men. Now, why would Paul say that? Because we have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us to strengthen us and to help us. And we still live like mere unchanged men. And why was he saying that? Because they were in strife and they were arguing, you know, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of this one, I'm of that one. See, that separation, that separation... Strife brings separation. And Paul said, get it right and get it straight and quit acting like a baby and sucking your thumb. Get it right. Get in harmony. Get in unity. And know that it's not about Paul, Apollos, or anybody else. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we have to get our spirits in tune with God and walk in the Spirit. And the Bible says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the, the works of the flesh. You won't fulfill it. You won't carry it out. You won't act upon it. You'll walk in the Spirit. And, and one of the, you know, the greatest, you know, uh, is love. God is love, but the fruit of the Spirit is also love. And that's in you. So allow that in you to come out and, and carry you and help you and how you see. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora. Pastor Nora.